Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our Leadership Podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. Well, today we're on session three, and we're talking about uh, beginning a couple of weeks about crafting our message. And it's uh, today we're talking about how to communicate what the Bible says uh, to others in a life-changing way. The uh, Again, if you don't mind, if you're on Zoom to, to, to mute, because I am recording this for the uh, for the podcast. But um, last week, we talked a little bit more about delivering the message. And now we're actually going to talk about preparing it. Uh, we talked about who are we speaking to today? We're talking about um, what does the Bible say about their needs? And I just want to highlight we're not we're not motivational speakers. We're Bible expositors. And isn't it an incredible privilege that we get to lay a foundation for people's lives. You know, Jesus talked about the people are either going to build their lives on the rock or on the sand. And literally, he says, it's my words. It's when you hear and, and, and live my words that your life is on a foundation that will never crumble, that will never fail. And again, one of the things I, I've emphasized in our values is that Again, I'm not slamming motivational preachers, speakers. I'm talking, though, just to understand that our goal is not to inspire effort, but to build faith. And this is always kind of at the heart of a, a message. The Bible says in, in uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes out by hearing the word of God. And I think it's just huge, this idea that if, if people walk away and we feed their faith, that will starve their fears. That will starve their doubts. That will give them a place of, of strength to face whatever challenges they are and, and to really overcome them. Uh, Romans 15.4 kind of connects it with hope that we, when we minister, we are, we are hope givers and faith builders. It says, for everything that was written uh, in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And again, in its simplest form, what preaching is, is taking the verses God puts on our hearts and then breaking them down in a way that people can understand them enough to apply them to, our, to their lives. And so that's just awesome because it's not going to depend on you know, how dynamic I am. <laughs> the word of God doesn't return void. Hallelujah. Dale Walker kind of voids out a lot, but the word never returns void. I just wanted to mention uh, this tone. And, and I said this last week that since we are faith builders and hope givers, even the tone that we preach in, I, I just really want, when I preach, I want to say, um, I have faith for you. I've been believing this word for you. We said before, people don't change because we shame them. 
they change because they have hope <laughs> because they hear what God says about them and, and they're, they're raising their faith. Um, even when we speak the hardest message, the message of correction, would you all agree there's a big difference between condemnation and conviction? <laughs> and uh, condemnation doesn't change anybody. Condemnation says you're a mess, <laughs> you're a screw up, whatever. Conviction says you are so much more awesome even than that stupid thing you just did. <laughs> you are an overcomer and I know that's not who you are. And here's, here's how you're gonna correct that and you're gonna be better through this and not worse. That's a, that's a tone. Uh, does that make sense? Now, we, we have said it over, over, over that the Bible doesn't need uh, to be made relevant. The Bible is relevant. What the Bible needs is simply for people to understand its timeless principles and power. That's why I like to call preaching just unveiling the truth. Just come and see this incredible word. And if you see it, you will be changed. Our job is simply to make it understandable and applicable to their lives. Um, this week I had a funeral and, and you know, it was neat because people really shared that it helped them so much. Um, James, maybe we can close the door down a little bit. But, you know, what I basically did is I asked God for scriptures for this family. And then I didn't try to give a sermon. I tried to say, can I just unpack to you, to you what I think God's trying to tell you in a few sentences from these scriptures? And it brought great hope and it brought great encouragement to them. The key is not only when we preach to, to unveil the word, but I, I've got a second motive and that's to make them fall in love with the word. Um, if I could do one thing that I know will change people's lives, it's not to just say, all right, I got my message for the week. It's to give them that honey that says, oh, I need more of that. <laughs> Because ultimately, we know the Bible says, if you continue in the word, then you're a disciple indeed. And that's that continuing in it for yourself. Um, being a doer of the word is the meat of the word. Uh, if, if, we can, if we can spark in them to say, and you know, so every time we take a passage and we just sort of take the, the cover off and they go, wow. The Bible's amazing, you know, and, and then they say, I want more of that on my own. Yeah, go home and read it, you know, then that's just a huge, a huge thing. So we want to make it just as relevant as we can by simply unpacking it. And Charles Finney, there's this little story from his autobiography. Um, it, it says this, people have often said to me, Brother Finney, you don't preach, you just talk to people. A man in London went home from one of our meetings, greatly convicted. He'd been a skeptic and his wife, seeing him greatly excited, said to him, have you been to hear Mr. Finney preach? He replied, I've been to Mr. Finney's meeting, but he doesn't preach. He explains what other people preach. I like that. <laughs> this is substance that I've heard over and over again. Why they say anybody could preach as you do. You just talk to people. You talk as if you just sat in their parlor. 
Others have said it doesn't seem like preaching at all, but it seems like Mr. Finney has taken a long walk and we're talking face to face. The goal of this is to having zeroed in to their heart, to their needs, to say, can I take with a walk with you and let you hear what Jesus has to say about your needs? Just listen to what he's said to you. These are timeless principles that will change your life. Now, what we want to say today is that this takes focused effort. In uh, first, 2 Timothy 2.15, it says to study to show yourself approved, a workman. And I just kind of underline the word work, all right? Uh, to be a, an effective teacher of the word. Can I tell you two things? It's going to take a lifetime. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's going to take a hunger to, to dig and to grow in it. Um, so the kind of groundwork we're going to lay, and like I say, this will take about three weeks to sort of unpack. I'm using this, uh, this acronym CRAFT. Okay, so here's the big, uh, uh, here's the big uh, explanation, what we're going to talk about, the, the five things that the word CRAFT stands for. Number one, collect and categorize. Number two, research and reflect. Number three, apply and arrange. Number four, fashion and flavor. And then finally, number six, trim and tie it all together and ask for a specific commitment. So today we're going to kind of try to unpack the first two, collect and categorize, research and reflect. If you have your notes, you could look with me. This great verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 11. And I like it a lot. It says, in addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered and searched out. There it is. There's, uh, there is research. And he arranged many proverbs. There we have categorized, catalog. The preacher sought to find delightful words. There we go. Uh, flavor and fashion <laughs> and and write them correctly, arrange and apply. These words of wise men are like goads. That's a, a word that kind of means like, uh, you know, whipping your horse. Come on, come on, you know, or uh, it's like I, I also see it like like nailing it. It's just like, you know, making a point that just really uh, hits it heart of a person. These masters are like well-driven nails and they are given by one shepherd. So let's just talk a little bit about um, collecting and categorizing. Um, let me just say, first of all, to be a, a preacher and teacher that people can grow with over a long period of time, you have to always be growing and have a system to keep and be able to retrieve helpful insights that you bring to your congregation. Um, if, you, if you rely on what you learned in the past, after about three years, the people will say, I already heard that one, you know, and uh, they're going to start uh, tuning you out. So how do you be a great communicator? You be a lifelong learner. How do you teach deeper? You grow more. And so Howard Hendricks said, 
students want to drink from a flowing stream and not a stagnant pond. And, and isn't that true? They, people, they can tell, Ooh, wow. That's fresh manna. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's right out of the oven. Holy spirit just spoke that one. Now that means it's a way of life. So let me just encourage you there. I mean, you, the best teachers are those front seat, take notes, eat it up listeners. I mean, I can tell what kind of preacher that people are going to be by how they listen. You know, you know, those, I know one guy said, no, I can close my eyes and I can remember everything you're saying. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but, uh, you're smoking something, brother. Hallelujah. But I, I know that this hunger, what does it become? It becomes passion that other people feel, and it stirs people. Again, you always influence more by what you are than by what you do. So, you know, make this teaching a part of your rhythm. I mean, if you're a person that the only time you study is when you're going to preach and you only preach once a year, guess what? You're not going to, you're not going to grow. And so if you're serious about becoming a great communicator, I have a new schedule for you for the, for every day, for the, every week, for the rest of your life. Are you ready? <laughs> if you really are serious about this, uh, I call it the rule of five. And you know, uh, I've taught on this before, the idea if you really want greatness, it never comes. Rome wasn't built in a day. It comes from habits. It's something, uh, it's all, all your successes in your daily routines and not in your aspirations or anything else. And it's the idea of taking five swings at a tree every day. How do you knock down the biggest oak tree? Five swings a day. Uh, eventually, uh, it will fall down. And so here, here are mine. Uh, every day, pray and study. <laughs> every day, love, listen, and learn. Because remember, it's not simply what you're going to say, it's the people you're going to say it to. Praise God and adjust your attitude. Lead and influence people for God. Collect and categorize God's truth so that you can feed the body. So, so what does that mean? I'm growing, but I think where a lot of people need is they need a system. And uh, if you're interested in this, this could get a little bit tedious, but uh, I, I've tried to write and I wrote it all out, but, but I don't have time to share, but it's 20 things. That's a system. So that I keep everything that's going to be good for the later. It, it has to do with how you read books, how you listen. Um, so many people say, man, I had, I had such a great thought. Well, what was it? I forgot. <laughs> or, you know, I never wrote it down. Man, I read something that changed my life. Well, what was it? I don't know. What book was it? I forget. Um, so, so the idea is if you don't do it, something with it, you're going to listen. Uh, uh, you know, an Air Force survey said you will forget 95% of everything you heard in 72 hours. Isn't that depressing? It's especially depressing for preachers. <laughs> it means by Wednesday, what did you say? Now, unless they wrote it down or unless they had some system to retrieve it, to keep it. Um, so I, I, I would like, if, you, if you'd like more on that, just how do you file things? And one of the things that, uh, that I have, if you go in my office, you'll see a, just a little 
bucket and everything I get. I do two things with it. I take a picture of it. If this is helpful to me and I email it to my assistant, Vivian Brown, and then she puts it on the digital side, which is Evernote. And then I put it in there and read it helps me file it in my physical files. And so it's both then a physical and a, and so then when it's time to, uh, to speak on that, I can go back and, and find, and you know what, if you do this for 30 years, you got a lot of material, <laughs> you got a lot of, and I bet you every one of you would have a lot of material just from last year. If you really were diligent and, and you say, I'm going to keep it. Now you hear a sermon, take notes. Now you may only want to keep one quote out of the whole sermon. Okay, fine. Take the picture of that and file that one. But, uh, you know, every week, you know, I just put it in my schedule. I got 30 minutes where I'm going to file that week. And, and then you just keep going. Now, let's get more specifically ways to, to catalog for specific sermons or sermon series. Uh, as you know, I prefer to teach in sermon series because it really gives me adequate time to, to research and ponder and develop out thoughts uh, that I think will help people. People need to hear something over and over in different ways if they're really going to digest it and remember it. And so um, here, here are some ways to count. I'll just give you some thoughts. Number one, develop the, the habit of memorizing Bible verses that speak to how God helps people's needs. There's nothing more powerful than quoting a verse from memory. You know what I found? Every verse I've ever memorized, God has used over and over in sermons that I've preached. Now, what I find is so powerful is that when you memorize a verse, it becomes part of you. And so suddenly you're preaching and you don't just quote that verse you memorized, but you quote it with a spirit, with the spirit, because it's so much a part of you and it builds faith. Nothing builds faith in people more than just quoting a memorized verse that immediately uh, just helps build people's faith. Um, it also helps you move with the Holy Spirit because sometimes the Holy Spirit will just say, bring a verse to, that you memorized to your mind. He's like, oh, pivot. I'm supposed to go this way a little bit, you know. Um, so this is huge. Uh, even if you don't memorize all the verses, if you, if you find ways to go deep in thinking about verses so you have them inside of you. Uh, secondly, this is more on the, the preparation side. If you're going to uh, be teaching on a subject, make a list of words that relate to that subject. Uh, this is a, a great way to start when you're planning a sermon series or something else. Again, I'll go back to that funeral because I just did it and God used it in, in a good way. And so when I'm talking to the family, I just ask this question, would you just give me uh, words that described your mother's legacy? And uh, I said, go ahead and discuss that with your family and then come up with the top five words. And so they gave me words like, you know, uh, unity, spunk, <laughs> joy, or whatever. So then when I, when I went to share the message, obviously I'm thinking of what scriptures fit with those words and what could I put into words now based on the relevance of 
the Bible and who the mom was, that could be a message to the people that I'm speaking on. Um, when, when I did this series, and I, and I think I already sent you this page, which is my series, Elephants in the Room. So what did I do? Uh, this is the very starting. I've got more than twice as many verses now, but I, I just spent time um, after I came up with words. By the way, I came up with a whole bunch of words, like I, I put them in, in your notes. When I'm just thinking about elephants in the room, first of all, the sermon series began because I heard someone just quote casually this. They just said this phrase, well, let's go there. You want to talk about that? Let's go there. Well, as soon as I heard them say that, it was like something sparked in my heart. Oh, you know what? There are a lot of issues in our church and it's just time. Let's go there. <laughs> and so then I began to just come up with words. Okay, where do we need to go? And then again, so many words came to mind, secrets, idols, hidden, truth, tolerance, denial, shame, rationalization, even weird words like cockroaches and rats. I just put them down because I think of those hidden, ugly things, you know, uh, bats, lies, porn, monkey on your back, skeleton in your closet, being numb, bullies. Anyhow, my point was, I'm not trying to even go deep on those, but I'm just, I'm just getting words. And it's just amazing when you have words, you have a little map for your brain and you start to hear things that before you know it, you hear someone say something and it goes, ta-da, you know, that, that locks you into another thought that locks you into more thoughts. And, and you're, you know what I know when you have a good start with the scriptures that you're pondering and words, your subconscious is working on the sermon all the time. <laughs> Even when you're doing something else, your, your subconscious is, is still working on that, uh, that subject. So again, you find the verses and then you, you hear those words. Then you find the verses in the Bible and you start to make lists of verses. Uh, and again, you can do this in so many ways. Uh, you can do obviously concordance, the old fashioned. If you nowadays with online, there's just uh, so much. It used to be, if you would have seen me study 20 years ago, I had a strong concordance. And I go to church every every day, you know, people are saying, are you exhausted? Yeah, it's about 30 pounds, you know. Anyhow, but now, you know, Blue Letter Bible, Bible Hub, there's just a hundred ways. So first of all, I get those scriptures. And this is what you look for in those verses. You look for similarities. Do I keep hearing uh, these verses echoing the same thing? Uh, when I looked at elephants in the room, I kept hearing I want my kids to love truth, uh, be people of the light. In God, there's no darkness. You know, you, and I kept seeing multiple verses. Now, what are we doing? If we're going to preach on a subject, we need to know pretty much a little bit of everything God said about that subject. <laughs> so before we, you know, I like to say it this way. When I get up to preach, people don't want to hear my opinions on different subjects. <laughs> uh you know, that's what a lot of preaching I've heard is. All right, well, let me tell you my opinion. Well, thank you very much. Um, you got yours, and I could go watch Oprah or something else. But, you know, what I want to know is what is God's opinion? Well, you only know God's opinion if you look at it. So 
So I want to look at and get as many verses as I can. You know, one of the beautiful things about cataloging is as I go through these different sermon series and I, I list all these verses, then if I go back, for example, on joy and I preach on joy, immediately I can go to my files and, and, and I got 52 verses on joy. <laughs> I, so after uh, as many years as I've done it, you know, this becomes pretty fluid and, and, and automatic. But why not keep those verses? You know what I'm saying? Now, you don't have to start from scratch. You can continue to create this vault, I call it, a beautiful vault. And, and again, for some of you, that vault will be completely on your, on your, if I was starting today, it would probably be just completely on my laptop and, you know, Evernote or something like that. But, but then you're looking for number one similarities, and then reoccurring themes. What does it seem like? God says over and over about this. What does he say over and over? And then you're looking for verses that the Holy Spirit seems to be highlighting. Now, now here's this next stage. And, and you know, when I sent these verses out, I asked you to pray for this series. And the way I asked you to pray is pray these verses. Now, here's something just so powerful. If if you pray the verses for the people you're going to preach to, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. So how do you do that? You begin to pray. You know, you just begin to take a verse and you begin to say, Lord, your word says that you love it when your people walk in truth. Lord, put a love for your truth into all of the heart for the world family. Lord, your word says if they know the truth, the truth will set them free. Lord, they have a lot of bondages. Would you let the truth so impact their heart that they will begin to go from bondage to freedom? So you just pray through them. But then this is one of my favorite parts. You begin to make declarations. And the reason we're so strong about that is because our end game is to create faith. Well, faith involves two things. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? Faith is both an inner belief and an external declaration. Uh, these two things, I, I like to say it this way, you see over, when you pray, believe that you have received, <laughs> you know, speak to the mountain. So, so we look at that. Um, one of the ways I love to, to think of this is the Bible talks about studying his word as looking in a mirror. What does that say? That says, one of the most powerful things we do in preaching is preach pe to people's identity. Yeah, if I preach to someone's behavior, I help them for a little while, and then they usually forget. But if I change their identity, I help them for the rest of their life. If through my preaching, people start to walk around, you know, you know what my, you know what my biggest joy is. Uh, one, my biggest joy is when people become so hungry for the word that they want to teach me all the time. You know. <laughs> And when they say, Pastor, that was pretty good, but I have a better thought than you just shared now. Now I'm doing a good job because I made them hungry to, to, to study the word. But number two, uh, when I hear people going around and, and they're just declaring things, I am a child of God. Well, it's okay. We can do all things through Christ. I know that I'm having an impact because I realize we're not just giving them some helpful hints from Heloise or whatever, we are changing their identity. And when they start saying that, I'm a beautiful person, I, I'm a child of God, wow, we're going deeper. 
what are we doing? We're, we're, we're changing their way, their faith and their beliefs uh, in their life. And so, again, the other point I do is as I'm going through those verses, I'm also asking, how does this apply to me, right? As I say, the feeder must first be the eater. So if, if you're going to feed something and you didn't eat it, don't, don't bother, you know. So how am I going to be changed by this sermon before I expect anyone else to be changed? So uh, I've got a whole, my whole list already on this sermon series that I've been working on for, for several weeks. Because why? One, if I want to be real, the illustrations need to come out of my own struggles. <laughs> I'm not a theorist. I'm a, I'm a shepherd who's trying to walk before the sheep who stumbles a lot. But the good thing is when I stumbled, I can say, hey, you know, when I tried to walk this, see that big rock, I stumbled on it. So when you follow what I'm preaching, don't stumble on that one. And it's, it's a practical way of speaking. And, and I'll say this later, but one of the things I wanted to really say is, is that the application of the word should come from that time of prayer and reflecting deeply in your own heart because the Holy Spirit will show you not just some cute applications, but he'll show you what the people are going through and, and what they most need to address because what one congregation might need emphasis on another doesn't. What I say a little later on, but I'll just go ahead and say it now. One of the things I've learned is and, and it's, it's why I tell people, you know, I don't, it's nothing wrong with it, but why I don't think on a regular basis you should preach somebody else's sermon <laughs> or you should just, oh, I heard a great podcast. Let me share what I learned. Uh, not that that's not good, but what I know is that God has a special way of communicating his word to this congregation. If you remember the seven letters of Revelation, the theme was the same for all seven, basically, except maybe all six, which was repent, right? That's the same message. But each one, it had a different emphasis, right? For you, it's you lost your first love for this one. You're letting Jezebel make the church crazy, whatever it was. But you see, it was a congregation. It wasn't just a great message. It wasn't just a, you know, here is an incredible amount of content. In this great content, yeah, it's great content. But what, my, this big verse again, Revelation 12 says, what this, well, Revelation 2.14, I think it says, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to your church. Now, let me just compartmentalize that. Who do you, who are you called to teach? Is it your own children? Is it your a Sunday school class, a life group? So what do you want? You want Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to that group, to my kids. Because it might not be the same application. You see what I'm saying? That it would be to someone else. Again, for a sermon series, categorize key verses into groups. This is how you're going to decide what you preach the first week, the second week, the third week, the fourth week. So you'll find, okay, here's one category of, 
of messages in, in the case of this uh, elephants in the room, which I'm using as my illustration, you know, what was the first elephant? Denial. So this week I preach, we got to get rid of denial, tolerating dysfunction in our life. Well, then I wrote some others, impurity, morality, sexual uh, addiction. So a bunch of them had to do with that. Don't let there be any hint of sexual immorality. So, so again, I'm categorizing these and, and preparing them for what I'm going to speak. Now let's go to the second phase of preparing and crafting a message. And that is research and reflect. And again, you're seeing how I'm kind of mixing these back and forth, but, but here we go, research and reflect. The second phase is about digging deep into the passages that you're gonna use as the key text for the message. When I'm praying through these verses, one of the things I'm not only looking for, what is the Holy Spirit uh, highlighting? I, I'm looking for what is a, a foundational cornerstone verse that I should use. If, if there's something I love to do in my preaching, it would be this, number one, it's, gonna, it's really gonna be a verse that's the big idea, or at least the essence of a verse. And hopefully it's gonna be a verse that's each of the points almost, you know? Uh, you know, so this, this week's message is, I have this against you, you tolerate Jezebel. You get not what you want, you get what you tolerate. And so that's, that's sort of like, okay, that's the big idea. Um, but then there's other key verses. How do you not tolerate? So that's going to be my application. Well, expose every lie, <laughs> uncover lies, you know, and confess to one another, share secrets with someone else that can help, you know, so forth, you see, but those are all verses. And, and again, if you understand the essence of preaching as simply unpacking verses God puts in your heart for the congregation for that week, and then you see the importance of this, uh, this categorizing. So when it comes to going deep, uh, research, the biblical word for that is exegesis. Uh, which basically means to excavate. It means to draw out. It means to uncover. It means to search for the gold uh, in the text. And, and again, it's different from the word eisegesis. And we have another course in the Bible school that talks all about how to study the Bible. But this, this is just important for this context, which is if we don't take time with the scriptures and we just sort of start giving our opinions before we know it, we're isogesis, not exogesis. We are speaking our opinion about a verse instead of letting the verse speak to our opinion. And so I really believe that this part, the research, is not just a matter of, of good preparation, but it's integrity. Uh, it's saying... I am not coming up here and giving you my ideas and throwing a verse on it <laughs> because that's what false teachers do. You can absolutely justify anything in the world with the Bible verse. If you, you aren't committed, if the scripture, it's almost like a judge. If you aren't submitted to the law and the law is submitted to you, you can make the law whatever you want. 
But if you're saying, I will not speak beyond what the Bible speaks, even if I have an opinion, I'll make it clear, this is not the Bible. This is uh, my opinion about something in the Bible. Um, but I can't tell you specifically about what the Bible says about Facebook because I can't find it in the Bible. <laughs> but I can tell you what it says about gossip <laughs> or whatever, you know. Uh, so if someone gets up, the Bible says don't do Facebook. I say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You know, that's a good Jesus. That's a good uh, you telling us what you think the Bible should say. So here's an important law that the, the scripture cannot mean something different than it meant to the first people. It can't contradict something that it didn't mean when it was first written to the people that it was written to. And so the first job of a, of a pastor is to understand the text and to understand, to do the hard work to understand the best I can tell when the Apostle John or, or Moses, whoever it is, wrote this, this is what he meant those people to hear. And, and until I get that anchor, uh, I, I shouldn't go into my applications. I need to get that clear. By the way, I put in your notes that I encourage people, don't take my word for it. <laughs> uh, look for yourself. Test everything the Bible says. And, and we talk about the Bible being the leveler. It's the compass. You know, you know, a leveler is that little bubble that tells you whether the shelf you just built is straight or crooked. You can't always tell by looking. You can only tell by researching and by putting the leveler on the, on the thing. So tell people, if you want to not only be a good teacher, if you want to be a good Christian, you need to be a researcher. And here's that theme verse, Acts 17, 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and then they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Isn't that a great verse? Now that's a good disciple. And if I had a church that did that, you know, I would get famous in the Bible or in heaven or somewhere, you know, because... Oh, yeah, and heart for the world, they hear everything I say, but they examine it every day to make sure everything they heard really is true, you know. And to me, it's an incredible compliment when someone comes up and says, I was studying deeper into what you said last Sunday. Now, this verse doesn't, in my mind, seem to fit with what you said. And at least a, a few times I said, oops, <laughs> I, I exaggerated. Thank you. I'm going to take notes. You just taught me. Praise God, you know. Uh, and so that's important. We are never above the word. Any preacher who ever acts like, well, I know what the Bible means. Uh, just stay away from them. If, if they can't be corrected by a very objective uh, excavation, exegesis is the word, then they're dangerous people. Part of what I do is uh, I, I want to at least, I'm going to at least come to my conclusions about what, again, the two questions are, what does this say and what does it mean? And more than anything else, uh, research is, is about uncovering what I call the timeless principle. I, I'm, I'm first looking at what it meant to them, and then I'm trying to understand how that relates to me today. 
and I'm looking for what I love is the timeless principle. Uh, the timeless principle, like it's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you lived in 500 BC or, or 2021. That is true. That is the most relevant thing. That is reality. And I just love this. As preachers, we are teaching people reality. We're not teaching people philosophy. And this world right now is in bad need of reality <laughs> because it's got all kinds of fake news. But when we teach reality, what does reality mean? Reality means it works. <laughs> this really works. Uh, if you add two plus two, you really do get four. <laughs> and if you, if you give, it really does get given back to you. So you're, you're, you're wanting to make sure you find that timeless principle. And so you're observing every way you can. You are, you know, uh, an investigator. That's what you are as you get in the word. You're Sherlock Holmes, you know. You're, you are taking this apart. Every word, you're unturning it over. And, and obviously, what are you asking? What, who, why, how, when, where, so what? Now what? You, you're, you're constantly asking every way you can. Then I like to go back, like I say, to a couple of scholars and then just make sure that what I got out of it, see, I don't necessarily like to start with commentaries. I like to finish with commentaries. In other words, I would rather try to figure it out myself so God speaks it to me. But then I go back and, and I've got, I, I enjoy the uh, expositors, Bible commentary. Uh, again, if you got Bible Hub, you got all these, you'll find several, but I really like that's a very conservative evangelical uh, commentator. The pulpit commentators are really good. Uh, there's also uh, the Greek word study. Uh, the it, it, I, all, all, all of a sudden it just went my mind. But anyhow, uh, someone will think of it. But ju just get a few commentators and you say, all right. I'm in line because they're not, uh, they're not telling me I missed the whole point there. Um, look always for the, the bigger context, you know, don't just find a verse here and find a verse there. Make sure you read it, the Bible in paragraphs. That's law number one. And, and then read it in chapters and then read it as a part of the whole book in the light of the book of Ephesians and what Paul was trying to say, how does this fit into uh, into that. So we, context is uh, very, very important. And then again, as you ask questions, I, I don't know about this, but I learned this a long time ago from Rick Warren. And so I don't know, I use this, I like it. Sometimes when I jog, I just take a verse and I apply space pets. Space pets is my acronym, okay? So I just look at a verse and I say, all right, we're going to space pet this one right now. Is there a sin to avoid or an idol to tear down? Is there a principle to observe and a doctrine to understand? Is there an attitude to imitate? Is there a command to obey? Is there an example to pay attention to? Is there a promise to claim? Is there encouragement to receive? Is there truth to be thankful for? Is there a saying to memorize and remember? You know, the main point I'm trying to make, come up with your own acronyms, but look at it in lots of different ways. Don't just look at it from the first thing you see when you look at that verse. 
keep looking at it. And every time you look like it's the, how many know it's like a beautiful diamond. <laughs> every time you look at a scripture, it's like, Oh, I never saw that before. It's the most beautiful uh, rays of light that came out this time. And so look at it in multiple ways. And then here's one of my biggest points today. Maybe the most important part of your research is to observe and find Jesus and the gospel in the text. All of the Bible points to Jesus and the gospel. And it is Jesus and the gospel that changes everything. Beware that your preaching doesn't go into periphery points, but it always stays pretty close to the central theme of the Bible. Keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Jesus Christ crucified. In other words, Jesus, who he is, and what he did. That's the only thing that changes lives. Jesus is our great example in Luke 24, 27. When he was trying to, uh, to help the disciples who were caught up in fear and didn't know if they believed in the resurrection, he just gave the most beautiful expositionary sermon. Here's what it was. He says, in beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them all of the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, Jesus showed all the scripture. He says, you know what's true about all these scriptures? They talk about me. You know, so I, I like to talk about research as finding Waldo, you know, but finding Jesus. Jesus is in there. If you haven't found Jesus yet, keep searching because that's the point of everything. He is the word. So the written word is just a reflection of him at some level of being. And so I'm going to think a lot about elephants in the room, but at the end of the day, the most important points are things like, you know what? Jesus took your elephant to the cross. <laughs> and you know what? You're not the one that cleans the temple out. Jesus came and he cleaned the money changers and the junk out of it. You're going to simply open and invite him to that area. You know, again, that changes the narrative of everything you're speaking. At the end of the day, you don't want people to think about, what do I got to do better? What do I got to try harder? But how do I trust him more? Um, give you an example. I thought this was a real good example. Let's take 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a sermon on overcoming temptation. The verse says, and it's one of my favorite. That's why I like it. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So here's two different ways you could preach that. Here's a weaker way. You can overcome temptation. You know why? Because it's common, it's limited, and it is escapable. Or you could preach it the stronger way. You can overcome temptation. Jesus has seen it and overcome it before. Jesus will limit its intensity and ability to be beyond what you can hit. And Jesus will make a way out. You see the difference? One focuses on effort and the other focuses on grace and trusting in Jesus more. And so, again, every point you make, I'm going to ask you when you preach, where was Jesus in there? <laughs> uh, you may have had a great idea, but I just need to know one thing because great ideas don't change anybody. If they did, we'd all be perfect right now. But Jesus changes people. And if we see Jesus in the middle of that problem, Jesus in the middle of what we're doing, it will revolutionize our life. And this last point here is just 
as you study and research, look at the scripture in the context of we and not just the context of me. And, and this, is, this is huge, especially in our day. We, we live in an individualistic society. Many times we wrongly interpret the Bible because we hear him saying, you, 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 which is true, but he's also saying, we, we, we. Jesus, all those letters, the epistle, all of them were talking to, hey, family, <laughs> hey, community. No, this is not just something you do. This is something we do. And if you miss the context of we, uh, you miss the ability for this to really be applied. Uh, I, I intentionally, and if it's not every Sunday, it's going to be a lot. Somewhere, I'm, I'm going to try to put in there, you know, see, here's, here's, here's one of the giants, the elephants in the American church. We really think we can be super Christians all alone. <laughs> you know, it is raised in our blood. You know, whatever it was, it used to be the Lone Ranger, but now whatever, Black Widow, whoever you want it to be. We really believe a lie. That's why a lot of people aren't coming back to church because they believe a lie. If you really believe the, the Bible, you believe, no, I can't even obey half of it without a we, without being a part of a, a community. And so it's very hard to break the mold because people hear through that filter. How can my life be better? How does that apply to me, 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 me? In fact, at the end, I got a lot out of that message or I didn't get anything. It wasn't just to you, how about somebody else? Well, I don't know what I got, but I know we got something out of it, so hallelujah. So the point of it is, how do you contextualize it? So I try almost all the time to say, that's why you need the church. <laughs> you can't do this one without the church. And so we're always trying to, to get that. Again, Revelation 12, 211, rather 211. Here, let him, he has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who's he talking to? The churches. <laughs> and so uh, I thought that was a very important point. And then the second part of, of, uh, of, of the R stands for reflect. Listen with your heart. So again, good study, good preaching is head and heart, head and heart, head and heart. Uh, even good parenting. Have you noticed that? Bring them up in the nurture <laughs> and what? The admonition. Did you know truth can't exist without love and love can't exist without truth if they're not both together? That's why when you hear a, a crazy preacher screaming on the corner, you all going to hell. He's not preaching because you can't preach words without love and call it preaching. <laughs> you are just making a loud clanging cymbal and a ringing bell because the truth is always in the context of relationships. It's love. It's So I, I tell people, and this is a big part of this lesson. It's what I came to in my sermon study for this thing. If people can't hear love, they won't hear truth. You know why? They'll feel shame. They'll read a verse and they'll say, I can't do that. I'm such a bad person. And they'll give up. But if they hear, Father loves you, you are accepted. You are a champion. 
You are so precious. Okay. I can go ahead and apologize to my sister. <laughs> Why? Because they're, they've got love and they don't just have head knowledge. So you want both. This word reflect in the Bible word is meditation, which means focused thinking. The deepest part of your message comes from focused thinking. Uh, some verses, I will study your commandments and reflect. There's the word reflect on your ways. I have more insights than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. In other words, you get smarter because you meditate. And I, I can just tell you that, and I've told this before. When, when I started in the, in the 10th grade is when I gave my life to the Lord. And I was a C and D student, and I was a mess. And the teachers couldn't stand me. By my senior year, teachers were asking me questions. They were asking my advice. And there's only one thing different. I meditated on the word for two years. And they would, before I knew it, they would say, well, Dale, what do you think? What do you want to tell the class right now? What happened? When I meditate on the word, I became wiser than my teachers. You, you grow. Uh, again, it's not how much you hear. It's how much you meditate that determines how you grow. Here's why this is important. Universities and often even seminary teaches you how to research, but doesn't teach you how to reflect. Many people with great degrees never fulfill the great wisdom they could have because they only know how to research. They don't know how to, to marinate. The word meditate also could mean marinate, be fascinated with, soak, and rumination. And you've heard this before, but it's the idea of a cow chewing its cud, swallowing, uh, burping it up with new flavor, chewing it some more, <laughs> and over and over and over. And uh, someone also said, if you want to understand how to meditate, you're already an expert because it's just worry in reverse. <laughs> if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. What is worry? It's getting your mind around a negative thing and thinking over and over and saying it to yourself until it becomes anxiety. You just meditated in reverse. But worship and faith comes the opposite way. You meditate with thanksgiving and gratitude and what God promised. And it has the exact opposite effect, faith. So here's the principle. How we internalize will determine by the power by which we verbalize. So how do you internalize this? It is important to realize that you cannot rush reflection. You can't start reflecting a few hours before you teach and expect to be your best. Research and cramming, <laughs> you can do right up to the minute that you're going to speak. But it'll still be in your head when you speak it because you didn't give it time to really be in your heart. Uh, that's why, number one, I like to plan my messages further in advance. Why? Because I can already start ruminating. And again, I can already start when I hear something, when I, oh, there's a podcast about that. I'm going to throw that in there. Oh, there's an article. Oh, there's a verse I was reading in my daily Bible reading that relates to that. What's happening? I'm putting them inside of me. And, and so I'm getting something. Again, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. 
And the word there, hearing the word is rhema, not logos. Rhema, uh, logos has to do with the external. It's the Bible. It's the, it's the outward. Rhema has to do with the voice of God. Uh, faith comes when you hear the voice of God in context of the, of the logos of God, in the context of what the Bible's teaching you. You hear God speak to you. That happens as meditation. Hearing what the Spirit is saying. I already mentioned about why, why shepherds can never be replaced by the Internet. <laughs> because the Internet can, can release to you great content. But guess what? I don't care who it is. Uh, Andy Stanley, uh, Mark Batterson, uh, Rick Warren cannot speak the rhema word of God to heart for the world, ignite high school youth the way Barnabé Casillas can't. <laughs> they could give them content, but they can't hear the shepherd's voice for those students. So never minimize. Well, if, why should I even teach? I'm not as good as, it, it doesn't even matter. It's because you heard God's voice in the word you heard the shepherd's voice. And when you speak it, those who are your sheep will hear the shepherd's voice through you. And they will be able to follow in the path they're supposed to walk in. And they will finish the race better. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to help people not be deceived. Oh, I listened to five podcasts a week. Yeah. But what did your shepherd say? Well, I listen. I read books. I read books every week. Yeah, I know. But what did your shepherd say? If God didn't mean for you to have a shepherd, he would have said, you know, hear the podcast and you will follow my voice. <laughs> but he said, no, feed my sheep. I want a person to reflect my heart to persons. Here's the second point. Often the most effective creative God thoughts come after a time of rest. <laughs> I know if you feel pressure, like, oh, I got to preach this afternoon, you can start, ah, and sometimes your mind, everybody, anybody ever have brain freeze, <laughs> uh, you know, gridlock, brain lock. <laughs> okay, we've all had that. But if, if, you've, if you've taken in the word and then you sleep on, it's an amazing how God can speak to your subconscious. Sometimes it's just because all of your brain and stress got out of the way. And so now, Holy Spirit can can do more. So I like to to here's how I, here's a way I like to pray before I go to sleep. Can can I tell you how preachers fall asleep? <laughs> uh, God, I need your help to organize this outline. I need your direction on what to say to the people this week. Holy Spirit, I know you have something to tell them through this message and through these verses. So would you reveal it to me? And as you're asleep, it's amazing. Sometimes I sleep. Sometimes it happens to me literally at three in the morning. Bam. I just wake up and share it. Like, What's going on? It's it. That's it. Go to sleep. <laughs> no, no, no. I got it. I got it. Holy Spirit. Finally put it all together. Uh, again, have a way to manage then what you say, because here's the big problem. If you don't write it down, if you don't do something with it, 
you're going to lose it. And, you know, especially those of us with smartphones, we don't have any excuse. All right. You can just you can just put it in your notes or you can just audio record it. And you know how many times I've gotten up in the night and said, I'm going to just got to record this real quick <laughs> because I don't want to lose this. Um, again, realize that discovering how the Bible relates to people is hard work but it is worth the investment. You know why? Besides everything else, the person who gets the most out of this process is you. Uh, you know, there's been times you wouldn't believe how much I prepared and maybe one person showed up or two people. Doesn't matter. What I got will be with me forever. And you know what'll happen? Probably 15 years from now, <laughs> I'll be sharing with someone and what I invested to learn then will come up. Ezra 7.10 said, Ezra had worked hard, there I circled the word hard, to know and obey the teachings of the Lord and to teach his rules and commands to the Israelites. Ezra 7.10. And my last thought is in this reflection in prayer time, I'm also expecting the Lord to give me keys to the ministry time. I'm asking for prophetic words, how God wants to encounter people. I said in our first talk that one of our values at Heart for the World is that we believe that there's going to be an encounter with God when we preach his word. Our preaching is not just with enticing words of people's wisdom, but with demonstration of power. So we believe with all our heart, for every revelation, there is a demonstration. But sometimes we're such a hurry to end the message or finish our talk, we miss the most important point. We miss the, as I said, the I do at the end of the wedding. <laughs> oh yeah, missed one little part there. And, and that is, how do you want to come, Holy Spirit, right now? And so a lot of that time of reflecting at the end is I'll pray things like this. Lord, Psalms 120 says you sent your word and healed them. Who are you healing today? And what's a word that would spark them? Do you have a word of knowledge for someone? Your word says today is the day of salvation. Somebody needs to get saved. What would help me? reel them in. <laughs> Sometimes God will literally show me about something about a person. As I'm preaching today, I just kept feeling like I should pray for someone who is searching Christianity, but had a bad experience with Christians and thinks it's all a bunch of bunk, but something's telling you it's real. You know, at the end of things like that, I've seen people come and say, wow, you were talking exactly to me. But had I not asked for that word, I may have missed that appointment. I would say, Lord, you, you said that you've anointed me to preach the gospel, to bring good news to those brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, to bring hope to those who are crushed in their spirit. Lord, is there is there something you want to do to minister to a crushed spirit? Is there one thing I'm going to say in my message? Is there one way that I'm supposed to give the invitation that will invite that person with a crushed spirit today to
to have faith, to receive hope. Is there a gift that you're activating? I've been praying this one more and more because I believe we're in a time of impartation. I didn't even used to have that one on my radar. <laughs> uh, I, I hardly ever gave that. Now I'm saying, is there a spiritual gift someone's supposed to receive today? And because I, it wasn't on the menu, because you asked not, you thought, have not. So I feel someone today is to, supposed to receive a missionary anointing. Is somebody's hands burning right now? Is somebody feeling your heart flutter? Okay, you, come here. <laughs> and so application is so important. Amen. So what I did here at the end of the talk is to just, you know, just give us a little discussion question about applying this message. So I thought we would just do a uh, unpack Ecclesiastes 12, 9, and to think about it and just in the way of maybe not just how this affects your teaching, but how it affects maybe how you want to teach your teachers, uh, something that you can impart. Cause I hope each of you, whether it's, you know, whatever, whether it's, it's Josh, talking to the other Spanish leaders or you talking to kids teachers or uh, James talking to a young adult, whatever it is, you want to teach other people to teach too, you know? So I'm just hoping that you will not only get something for you today, but something uh, from this lesson that you'll then pass on and mentor uh, others. So I thought maybe just uh, again, uh, we will, have this little breakout group. I'll let uh, <laughs> I'll let you all on Zoom uh, discuss this for a minute, and uh, and then us at the tables. And so you might want to read that verse, and then a couple questions I put there. Uh, again, if you don't have the sermon notes, if you're on Zoom, I think I emailed them to you. So hopefully you got that email. But um, Take a moment to observe that verse. Who who said it? Is there any significance about that? Just, does anything come to your mind, the fact that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes? Uh, and, and so just think a little bit about the context of how he might have been speaking. And if you know anything about the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, some pretty good points in there. For example, uh, wisdom's no good if you don't practice what you preach, right? <laughs> uh, but whatever it is. Um, and then... Uh, what do you think is one thing that God was really trying to communicate through this verse to, to you, to us? And what, what would be some key words? I want you to look at that and say, is there one or two words out of that scripture you, you're supposed to circle and uh, really think about some more that really relate to where you're at right now in your journey with God? Uh, Man, I circled well-driven nails, <laughs> and I've been praying that, Lord, help, give me some well-driven nails tomorrow, <laughs> that they, they won't forget that point. <laughs> it just it got, right to the, it got right to the heart of what people needed. And then if you were advising a team member, minister, who were called to minister, uh, from this lesson we just had today, what would be something that stands out to you that you'd want to pass on to them? And... Uh, and you can add to that, just how is this lesson, what do, what do you think is something that's helped equip you to teach better, if you can think of something from that. So uh, take a minute, 
write a few reflections and then uh, then go ahead and, and, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, if you all don't mind, you guys can just have a discussion. Uh, if you unmute yourself there and uh, I don't, there's just four, so they don't need to be in a, a room. Uh, we'll go ahead and do that now. So, and again, thank you all so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.